podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their reactions to Liverpool 2, which in no small measure was due to Mike Origi's young lad, Everton nil in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Dave, wow, Everton are a terrible set of lads and it's a lovely, lovely feeling to have put one over them in the way that we did. A couple of moments to savour but for the most part, a bit of a dog of a game, especially that first half. Oh, absolutely. A complete shit show of a performance from the Ev, who managed 63 minutes before they'd completed 50 passes. Their central midfielder, Alan, completed two passes, both of which were kickoffs. Uh, they came to Anfield today to dive, to cheat, to time waste and to shithouse their way to a draw. That was plan A. As soon as Liverpool scored, plan B was put into action, which was passion, more passion, and then a bit of passion. Uh, Frank Lampard shows he has absolutely no business managing a Premier League team, though he did get to shout at Jurgen Klopp today, so we'll be sending him his certificate in the post. It was They were a shambles. They were an absolute shambles. They, they completed 32 passes in the first half. It's the least by anybody in a decade. They just sat back defended with 10 behind the ball, tried to spoil the game, tried to time waste. And we seemed to be just trying to manage our way through the game. There didn't seem to be any real oomph about us. And I thought Trent had a poor game. I thought the front three for large parts were poor. I thought Salah came into the game well late on. I thought Jota had a poor game. Mane just couldn't get into it. And we were very overly uh, reliant on our right side because Jota was playing narrow on the left. We didn't have that outlet out there. And it made us a little bit predictable and a little bit easy to play against. But then, like you said, Mike Origi's young fella comes on and he's the immediate difference maker. We go 4-2-4. Second time this season, Klopp has made that adjustment to go and win a game. The first time being Norwich at home. Always the shit teams, you'll notice. And um, as soon as we did that, we get the first goal. Then we get the second goal. Luis Diaz, absolutely outstanding in his performance. Um, and we deserved to win. I mean, we didn't play particularly well. A couple of lads showed well today. But it was never a game where I felt like we were any in any danger of losing or even drawing the game. I always felt like we'd score. It was just a matter of when. And as soon as I saw Divock coming on, I knew that that was the time. Because as soon as he came on, I'd imagine Pickford just started having flashbacks. And I'll talk more about Pickford later on. Yeah, it's going to be hard to avoid Pickford specifically because of um, that shit housing you were talking about. Uh, and Carl, you know, 
we might as well address the big story at the top, you know, and it is all about Divock coming on and doing the business. Um, and it did have that feel very much of um, a knowing uh, substitution, uh, a, a manager who is in, t- in tune with what's going on and knows the record of this guy against these. And he came on, he did deliver. What was interesting for me specifically afterwards as well was to see the the extra special sort of lingering hugs going on between him and Kloppo. And Kloppo, all I can make out was one word. He kept saying always. Now, he was either professing his undying love to Divock, which, you know, fair play, or I would imagine he was saying something sentimental about how he will always have a place uh, in the hearts of the fans here. That would be a little bit more Kloppo, I think, uh, and particularly in the time that's in it. But then afterwards, you see Divock being interviewed, and he's all talk about the end of the season, and we may need him again. So this is very, very important too. All in all, um, these are the things I'm going to be leaning into uh, after what was, you know, as, as highlighted by Dave there. I think 83% of the ball went to, to, to Liverpool cars, 17%. I can't remember the last time I saw something like that. Like, I mean, you know, um, uh, Atletico Madrid can only dream of having such a low amount of possession in, in, in a football match. It's, it's, a, it's a remarkable... Um, it was a remarkable affair all in all. Uh, I think a win deserved in the end, though. I, you couldn't really argue with it. Oh, no, not at all. There was only obviously one team coming for the win and there was only one team going to get the win as long as we had at some stage either the fortune or the mental clarity to you know, make, up, make ourselves get there. Uh, there was no ever any chance of anything else happening in that game. Um, as for Klopp and Origi, if it's always, always, the only thing I can assume is that even if he leaves, he was telling him he will always, always loan him back for the derby. <laughs> you might be right there, you know. <laughs> yeah, you might be right there. In terms of um, your overall takeaway from it, to be fair, he, he, as you said, it was going to require either the, the the bit of luck that you forced through that constant pressure and possession or the little bit of, 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 of genius or insight. We started to have those. And like Dave alluded to it earlier on, we might as well mention it here, the two of us, to go 4-2-4, to have those four lads on the pitch all going for it when we really need them and to have the result accrue from that. I mean, you know, credit where it's due. It, it would, it's, it's always, and we'd be quick to talk about how we mightn't like X or Y decision by the manager, but hell, that's, that's paid off particularly well there today for him. Yeah, yeah, I can't, can't argue with that. I mean, we've, we've obviously got the players to be able to do that. And I think that we were allowed to do it a lot today because they just didn't want the ball at all. They had no interest in playing out. They had no interest in committing people forward. So you may as well have them. We didn't need the extra people recycling. Uh, another manager with different um, tactical prerogatives, let's say, may have removed one of the defenders uh, instead of having those ones recycled from the back and put an extra attack and mid or an extra wide player, that kind of thing. Obviously, Klopp. Uh, prefers his starts and wide forwards and then we build and recycle through the centre back so there's no need to change those ones but look the only thing that was going to really undo us at any point was if they were faster than us on the counter which was not particularly likely apart from one player for them Uh, or obviously if we just completely lost our heads as we did in the first half let's be honest yeah uh, Dave let's start talking about 
um, the usual features on the show. Um, I've, I'm, I'm going to tease uh, the, the listeners with uh, the fact that there is a bonus feature coming up um, on on the uh, on today's Raw, um, as indicated by yourself pre-show. We, we're all in the dark about it, but uh, we'll do the teams first, and then we'll come to your to your new bonus feature. Because honestly, if we were going to do a, a ref watch about Stuart Atwell every week, that Stuart Atwell is 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 refereeing a match, it would just be an endless summation of a a man looking slightly bullied for 90 minutes and slightly afraid uh and always just a beat off in terms of uh, whether he thinks he can do something or not and he just continued in that vein today and it was a weird sort of a game for him be a weird game for anybody the way everton proceeded through it but let's have a look at the teams and I wasn't expecting it, Dave. I'll be honest with you. I did not think we would see the old um, NFT midfield today. And I listened to you and Carl on um, on your 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 uh, your show a couple of days ago, or was it yesterday? And I could not agree. I, I found myself nodding along in terms of yeah, there'll probably be four or five changes. Mm. No, no such thing for Kloppo. He's gone incredibly strong. It was a statement of intent that team. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it very much was. Like, I was expecting Henderson to start. It's a derby. You would expect the captain to start in a derby. It's the type of game he gets himself up for. His best performance of the season was in the derby last time out. And, you know, I was really expecting him. I I actually thought Curtis Jones might start. Local lad. He'll be up for it. I thought Naby and Thiago would be wrapped in cotton wool. Um, I thought, you know, I think myself and Carl both thought Costas might get a run. We both thought Ibu might get a run. But Kloppo just decided to go with a strong team and to go out and force home the advantage. I do wonder if, in hindsight, he'll regret that decision. Now, obviously, we win the game. We don't know what he has planned for midweek. Is he planning to start that same midfield? Was was that in the books beforehand? Is Henderson going to start the home leg with Klopp keeping that midfield that played today for the away leg, which you know you would assume would be the tougher game? It, it's difficult to know. But all things considered, it was the team most people would have wanted, maybe except for Diaz in for Jota. It it worked because it was nil nil. He made his substitutions. He got his substitution spot on. I think all three of them, he got them spot on. He timed them really well, and um, you know you can't really argue with the outcome. The outcome is what matters today. I see. It's the other thing as well is like you'd wonder if if Godfrey doesn't get hurt in the warm up, do they play a slightly different game? Are they a little bit more expansive? Now, a little bit more, not not actually expansive, if Godfrey is in there. Because when you play Michael Keane, you sort of have to play that deep block. You have to be a really shithouse team because he's not capable of doing anything else. Whereas with Godfrey, with his pace and his ability, you might have thought they might have come and defended 10 yards higher forward, which would have played into our hands. So, you know, them having that late change might have changed their approach with them which then had a negative effect on how we were planning to play. That's very interesting that Frank Lampard's absolute tactical masterclass that people were going on about for the first half, especially if you were watching Sky, 
may well have he may well have just fallen arse backwards into it. That's quite interesting. That they may have been more on the front foot with a different centre half is actually quite an interesting take. I like that a lot. Um in terms of uh Everton, Carl, just to 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 look at that with you and Dave you can come in at the end if there's anything you want to say about them. Um they went with uh Coleman and Holgate and Keane and uh, Mikalenko. They had Ducure Allen and Iwobi and then Gordon Richarlison and Gray. Now you know, that bunch of footballers shouldn't be any anywhere near where they are in terms of the league position. They just shouldn't. Um, and I kind of have a pain in my in, in, in my arse listening to people talking about we had to, there was a whole sort of sycophantic load of shit talk about, uh, interviews with with uh, uh, um Various people talking about how Frank's done a great job here and Frank's done a great job there. On the, on the bench, he had Begovic, Kenny, Delph, Brantwaite, Rondon, El Ghazi, Deli Alley, and Price. It's not exactly a, uh, an embarrassment of riches, but those lads shouldn't be anywhere near where they are. They've, we've put them in, they, they, sorry, Burnley put them into the bottom three. We've left them looking like they might stay there now. I don't really understand what's going on with them um, and why they would come to Anfield and play in the way that they play today. Am I just being naive, um, Carl? Do you, do you think that that's really all they have about them? Is it, Am I over-egging some of the those footballers and thinking that they should be doing so much more? Are they basically Deli Ali, you know, writ large, the whole club? Um, I think what they did today is because they backed themselves into that corner. This is what they have become and this is what they've got left at the minute. You know, look at their away form since August. I think they've won once away from home since then. And that was an FA Cup match against uh, Hull in the championship. So they've put themselves in this position that they have to, they feel like they have to scrap and try and shit out their way to, to a point, basically, because they're hopeless. Otherwise, they've got no hope of doing anything at all away from home because that's just what this season is for them. That's how they feel. That's how it has um, become for them in the in the eyes, probably, of the squad. And they know that probably right before the game going into the bottom three was uh, another not nail in the coffin yet obviously but definitely a thing which would have left a few of them even more sweating you know and i wouldn't like to think that for people who are professionals in the game that that burnley result would have affected any kind of team selection or approach to this match at all i think that they would have done this anyway even if burnley had been beaten six nil because they just haven't got anything away from home like nothing they have no performances there they have no points to uh, to have taken recently they've got nothing at all and then you come here where the only time they beat Liverpool was when, when we had no players and no fans and all the rest of the stuff it was desperation that's all I can really say about it I mean as a whole yes these players are better than where they are but they're not because that's what they've been made across the whole of this season and even last season to an extent not not as bad but then the whole league was a bit skewed last season as well at times this year Everton away from home since Lampard have got worse, undeniably by every single metric, by watching the games, by any stats that you want to pull out, anything at all, they've got worse. But they weren't picking up many points beforehand anyway. And so I think that they almost almost feel like maybe they're caving away from home and everything is on their home form. So they'll just do this, and if they get a point out of it, that's a bonus. And if they didn't, then they probably haven't lost anything compared to what they would have done anyway if they'd have been a bit more attack-minded or a bit more 
feeling like they could have done something optimistic confidence on the ball all the rest of it because when you get beat in a row by like Norwich and Newcastle and Southampton and all the rest of them what hope we've got to come to Liverpool I think that's very fair to be fair I think that's an absolutely solid appraisal and Dave just one last word on the on, on Everton uh, for, from you as well like I mean I know as a, if I'm supposed to be a property top red, I should want Everton to stay in the division because we want to have the Merseyside derby and all the rest of it. But something about the way the last couple of seasons have gone, especially that occasion which led to the kind of season killer uh, that we had with the two with the two lads being crocked by them and just something about the nastiness of derbies in recent years as well. I wouldn't have an ounce of regret to see these lads uh, go to the championship I genuinely wouldn't maybe that makes me a bad man I don't know what do you reckon Dave? Trev let's be fair the only reason any Liverpool fan wants Everton to stay in the division is because it's an easy six points every year there's no other reason to want them in the division they should go down they deserve to go down and the biggest reason isn't just that they're shit it's just not it's not just that they're shit it's that they've cheated and broken every financial fair play rule that the Premier League has put in place and they're still this bad Whereas clubs like Burnley and Norwich and Watford and Leeds and whoever else have abided by the rules and they've stayed up or gone down on their own merits. This club have cheated, broken the rules, should by right probably be getting deducted points for how far over the allowed spend they are. That won't happen, may happen to them next whenever they come back up in a couple of years. And uh, yet they're still going down. They're still going down, despite all that money spent, despite talk of the power shift, despite John Merrow doing extended threads on Twitter about all the players they ever going to sign because they are the new billionaires, despite having pictures of a stadium, no actual stadium, but pictures of a stadium are just as good. They're in this position. They're in this position and good enough for them. And long may it continue. I'd have no problems at all seeing them go down and do a Sunderland and go down again. None at all. I'd have no qualms about laughing at them if they go down and it's financial destruction for them and they have to bin everybody off and start over again. They deserve it. When you spend as recklessly as you do, as they have, when you act the way they have, and when you treat people the way their fans treated Rafa Benitez, I've no sympathy for anybody. And I thought the the highlight of today was the cop singing Rafa. Yeah, that it was, was lovely. the highlight of the game. It was Twice lovely. Twice today lovely. they sang it and good enough for them. Let's just get a take from both of you before we move on. Um, if I gave you 10 euros of my Irish money, so no risk involved for you whatsoever, uh, to bet on either Everton to go down or Burnley to go down at this stage, Dave, on today, just, just the way things are currently, your current mindset, who do you reckon um, you would put that money on to to go down. Everton, you Everton without question. They're two points behind. I know they've got a game in hand, but they have a much harder running. I would bet on Everton. Carl, if you had to pick one to go down out of the two, who would it be? I went for Burnley in the build up to this game. We went through a few of the fixtures. I think it was for this guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I did say I think Burnley get a result. I think for for this game against. It was the um, Southampton game today. you had them winning. I think you had yeah, them. I think I'd set a draw for this one today. today. Yeah. 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 So I think I had it within a point or two, but I, I went with Everton. So I'll, I'll stick with that for now. But you know what? It's, it's, I feel like this might be a, a reactionary thing, but when it comes to 
when you actually play against Everton, you kind of feel very differently about them rather than watching dispassionately as they just lose randomly to like Wolves or Crystal Palace or something like that in a different game at the weekend. You know, it's it's not it shouldn't be because it's a derby, but it's it's more than that. It's not nice playing against this side sometimes. Some of these they've players taken, are not in my favourite list. Point, they've taken one point away from home in the last four, four five, five months, I think. The last five months, they've taken one point away from home. They've got three three away games left. You can write them off. They might get a point, but they're not going to take any more than that. They won't beat Arsenal away. They won't beat Leicester away. They've got Ever- uh, Chelsea at home. That's one of the home games. And then they get Brentford and Palace. And they have to yeah, win. Both they're the two I picked to win. Well, fight, fight, fighting for their lives today against their their local rivals, they get a shot on target and they have 17% of the ball. And that Allen stat you mentioned earlier on is absolutely terrifying, I have to say. It's remarkable stuff. Um, now, loyal listeners to Anfield Index and the many shows that are pumped out um, there on, especially none none more prolific than young Hendrik there, may have heard some absolutely scurrilous remarks by both himself and young Drinkle relating to my uh, choice of footwear uh, during the week. I, 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 I have obviously listened to some sort of edited version of the show. So I no, no. So what, what happened was I was talking to Guy and I was explaining to him that I've I reached the point I, I, in my I, life. I heard it. I heard it. I heard that full thing. I, but I had to go listen to it on the app. Whatever yeah. way, when I get my show, the show, when the show comes to me on um, Apple, it's reduced form 18 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. But, but, but whatever happened, when I went and listened to it on the app, I heard the whole thing. Yeah, so the whole sandals and socks thing, that's absolutely scurrilous. Uh, but, 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 but I may well move that way. I'm, like, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm just not quite there yet. I do have a pair of tremendous wellies, just so we're clear on that. Uh, and uh, Dave Hendrick is about to introduce a new feature to Raw today. Mm. Or so he says. Let's have it, Dave. Right, so long-time listeners of the original Anfield Index podcast will remember a segment known as Bell End of the Week, hey. which I'd been toying with bringing back for this game in particular. However, there were simply too many contenders today, so what we've got instead is Prickwatch. Hashtag <laughs> Prickwatch. So we'll start off with Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon dived six times in the game today. His first dive was a minute and 43 seconds into the game. He dived and won a free kick. He dived again on three minutes and 47 seconds and won a free kick. Uh, he dived again twice after that. He uh, The next one was, uh, so sorry, one, one, one and 42, three minutes, 49, both free kicks. Seven minutes, 25, no free kick given. 15 minutes, 42 seconds, no free kick given. 23 minutes and 34 seconds, his fifth dive within 24 minutes, and he was booked for cheating, for trying to win a penalty. He then managed to almost go an entire half hour without diving, but then he dived again on 52 minutes and 50 seconds for the thing that people are trying to claim is a penalty. Uh, Anthony Gordon is a little prick. Uh, The second one we have here is Richarlison. Uh, now, Richarlison, Richarlison also dived four times today, yeah. uh, including once where he managed to twist his own ankle. He went down at one point because he headed a football. And Stole. he generally is just a horrible little prick. So he's involved. 
And to be fair as well, it was not not just those uh, egregious incidents you've mentioned, but at the end there, he has a really, really petulant studs into uh, Henderson's into leg, mm. uh, which is, which is you know, I mean, Carragher played down the penalty, uh, played up the Gordon penalty. He played down any chances of Liverpool uh, ever winning a free kick, um, made little of anything like that. That's just what he does, but he seems to really lean into it because, I don't know, is he afraid of being tribal or whether it's his actual blue roots coming out? But not a mention at all about uh, about that, that 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 he thought that was perfectly fine that little incident at the end, which was the height of petulance, regardless of how hard or uh, solid the connection was. It was intentional and it used the studs. So I mean, Rick the prick, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, next up, I've got Abdullah Dukure in here now. Two incidents of note for him about oh. getting, he did three things in the game. He missed a decent chance. He kicked Fabinho. And then he shoved Jordan Henderson when he was on the ground after Richarlison had kicked him. So Abdullah Dukure in there. Mason Holgate in, largely for being a grass, uh, running to tell the referee that Sadio had pushed uh, Alan in the face. So I've got that one. Uh, I've got Frank Lampard here just because. Uh, I've got Graham Lasseau here. Uh, Robbie Fowler was right. And basically his entire commentary on the game was attempting to bring up how well he thought Everton were doing. Uh, I've got Richard Keyes here. Now, it's not for any of the obvious reasons. It's not for the hairy hands. It's not for the reasons he was sacked from Sky. It's not for what he did to his wife when she was sick. It's not even for the tweet which said, here's an early shout, Everton will finish above Liverpool a couple of years ago. No, no, what this is for is for his post-match where... He tried to make out that Everton were robbed. He said that uh, they spoke to the people who do VAR and VAR confirmed to them that they wouldn't have had a problem if a penalty was given for Matip on Gordon. Richard, you hairy-handed fool, that is not confirmation that it should have been a penalty. That's basically them saying that one could have gone either way. We were happy to back the referee's decision. He then tried to make out that Pickford had made a world-class save from Thiago, to which Nigel de Jong, who's another idiot, and Andy Gray said, no, that's a fairly simple save. He should, he should actually call it. And then just generally just being Richard Richard, uh, Richard Keyes, rather, gets him in here on Prick Watch today. And then our ninth and final edition. Now, he's not a prick. This guy's not a prick. But I've got Jamie Carragher written down here, and it is purely because when the derby takes place, Jamie Carragher is a walking human embodiment of a half and half scarf. <laughs> he doesn't know which end he's on. He, he just doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. He's lost. So God love him. Yeah. He, he's not so much a prick. I wouldn't say Carragher's a prick. I'd say he's a decent lad. But he is a half and half scarf. And that is prickish behaviour. So uh, Jamie Carragher in there. And that, can, that concludes Prick Watch for today. Um, so I hope you've all enjoyed that. <laughs> That's tremendous. Oh, yes, you'll have to bring that back on the regular. Uh, Carl, let's you and I go into the first half, which was um, quite the thing. Uh, we began, um, I think, well, I mean, really the first thing of note was well into the game. There's an early fit free kick, which was bashed into the wall by uh, Damari Gray after Fabinho had taken out Gordon. Um, Gordon and Richardson were diving all over the shop in those early minutes, as pointed out by Dave already. Uh, at one point, poor old Stuart Little stopped the play um, 
for reasons best known to himself. He went on to do that a couple of times because the, the lads play acting just continued and continued. Um, on 14 minutes, as David mentioned before, the Rafael Benitez uh, chant is going around the place. And uh, bless their hearts, uh, the crowd at Anfield. I thought that was a particularly uh, brilliant bit of uh, genuinely proper shithousing on our part. Uh, more to follow in that vein. Demarai Gray has a shot blocked in 14 minutes and Gordon's diving again on 15, this time versus Trent. There is a slight hand in his back, but I mean, if you're giving a free kick for that, uh, then no no football gets played on a football field ever. But again, poor old Carragher seemed to think it was definitely a free kick. Uh, 21 minutes, the ball goes into Sadio uh, from Naby um, outside the D, and Sadio spins and shoots narrowly over. It's our first proper effort on 23 minutes. Gordon picks up that yellow for diving again. This time, he's basically diving over Naby's leg. And again, poor old Carragher wanted to give it, I think. You know, he, he barely wanted to criticise uh, uh, Gordon at all. He was so, so fond of him, nothing but effusive praise for him. Um, Tyler, after a beat, sensing an opportunity, says, you know, Jamie, it's one of those where you could say we've seen them given. And I'm just, at this stage, I'm, I really, really would love to be in proper internet world where I could have a different alternative commentary stream and watch the images on Sky, but anyway, I couldn't. 27 minutes, we saw a yellow picked up by Coleman this time, um, who was late on Jota. Uh, there was a dangerous ball in from Robbo that led to a corner. From that, there was a chance um, about a couple of minutes later, I'm not sorry, not from the corner, on 30 minutes, Charlotte volleys wide of the left near post after a lovely cross uh, by Robertson. And there's a bit of half-decent Reds play now, uh, built up a couple of chances. However, on 33, Richarlison plays in Ducouré. He's forced to the right, and he drags a cross shot right across the face of goal. It sort of dribbles past Ali and well wide. But it's an opening, I guess, of sorts. Great move on 39 minutes by the Reds, led to a corner. Lovely football bias. And at this point, and by the way, you'll have noticed, lads, I'm walking us through this first half because it was shit. And we just want to get uh, uh, just through the incidents and you guys can talk about whatever it is takes your fancy. Uh, Richarlison hits the deck then on about 40 minutes. Um, He's getting treatment for a couple of minutes after the ball is eventually pulled out. And he gets that. He gets that, actually. for He's down and he's injured because he headed the football, as Dave mentioned. He is an absolute shithog of the highest order, that lad. It's remarkable. Um, 43 minutes, small shot high and wide after a decent one-two at Naby Keita. Uh, and on 45, Ducouré finally sort of lost his patience and ended up in Dave's prick watch. Uh, Richarlison was lying on the ground for ages. We were playing around him. Poor old Stuart Little was stressing out of his mind in the centre of the pitch, wondering should he stop the play or not, because poor old Richarlison is sad. Uh, but eventually, uh, there's a, a little bit of a, a, a double tap on Fab by Ducouré. First he has a go on Nibble and then he just kicks him up in the air. Um, that's a free kick. Um, nothing really comes from that. 46 minutes though. Also, poor old Sadio, for reasons, uh, gets a, a yellow card as well. To be fair, I think he puts his hand to Holgate's face, a little caress of Holgate. And Holgate uh, absolutely ran to teacher. Uh, to talk to him about how bad, bad man Sadio had um, put his hand in his face gently. Um, Pickford was doing his lying down with the ball thing, looking up, knowing smiles. I almost had to give it to him because he was fully, fully aware of what he was doing and taking the piss out of the entire ground. 
this will come back to haunt you, little arms, don't worry. Uh, and that's basically the first half in a nutshell, Carl. And I didn't want to stop because, honestly, it was painful. What I want you to do is feel free to pick whatever you'd like to pick out of that. And then I'll give the same opportunity to Dave. And then we'll move to the second half where there's a few more specific incidents that we can kind of do piecemeal fashion as usual. So, Carl, what would you pick out of that first half? You want to focus on one or two things? Um, actually, I want to focus on one, the ref, and two, Jürgen Klopp. So, first of all, if Everton were going to take this approach, fine. Liverpool have to deal with that, and we'll probably have to deal with it again before the end of the season, right? Our job in that situation is not to get annoyed. You know, this was, as was pointed out on the commentary that yourselves and I were watching, um, exactly what we faced under this particular opposing manager when he was a player under his manager who was famed for this kind of approach in the biggest of games where it matters a lot to the other team. So you have to be able to deal with that. You have to make sure that, you know, all the praise that we've had over the last few years, um, you know, being called mentality monsters and all the rest of it, that works both ways. That's not just for when you score last minute winners. That's for when teams are doing this to you and you be able to not get cloudy headed about it you'd be able to carry on playing your own way and you'd be able to focus on what you need to do and not the fact that one of them is lying on the floor for the 715th time that's what that means that's what mentality in the football is that's about keeping your composure and still doing the right thing so i think half time was probably that from klopp over and over again to a few individuals now we had a couple of players who did not play well in that half like trent was particularly poor i think on the ball and now, obviously, with the tracking back, he was, he was not always able to keep up with Gordon and wh- whoever else. It doesn't matter. It was a nothing half, like you just said. But mostly it was a nothing half because the referee did not stop them doing it early on. And we see this over and over and over again. This thing where the goalkeeper takes what, 30 seconds sometimes to kick the ball out and all the rest of it. If it's happening from the five minutes onwards, I, I genuinely have never understood why it takes them until like 85 minutes to start telling them to hurry up. And then to wave a yellow card after 88 minutes when it's still nil-nil. Do it straight away. It's not against the rules from 75 minutes onwards. It's just against the rules. You have to step up and you have to be stronger and you have to make sure it doesn't happen. Now, the third time, I think, when Richarlison went down, not the heading the ball away, which was obviously nonsense, but was a head injury. But when he went down for his attempted running near Thiago and hurt his own ankle, you don't stop the game for that. You don't stop the game... Unfortunately, you don't stop the game even if he has actually broken his ankle. It's not a foul. It's not anything at all. Unless the ball goes out of play or the referee decides to stop it, you don't just always have to blow the whistle. You don't just always have to make play stop. And I think it was Matip was about to put the ball out of play and half of the crowd on that side of the pitch stood up and basically yelled at him to not do that (laughs) and to carry on playing, Um, which is is right. You know, somebody has to at some point take charge of the situation and just get on with it so kind of on us but also on the ref and not stopping it and when decorey obviously then fouled and that's what led to that big melee in the first place i will say sadio man is probably lucky not to get red carded because there was a couple of instances of him putting the uh you know a finger in the face it was nothing major but you raise your hand into somebody's face that is usually a red yeah i mean yeah and i was playing it down because it wasn't a, it wasn't striking it was it was uh it was a push in both cases. Uh, I think Kevin yeah. Campbell tried to say it was a gouge, didn't he? He did, bless him. He did, yeah, oh, yeah. A gouge. An eye gouge, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's 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 a bit of a stretch by Kev, but you know he was he was lost uh, for things to say, no doubt about his team at that point. And 
Dave, let me offer you the same opportunity. Is there anything you want to dive in on that we haven't touched off there on the first half or even that we have that you want to double down on? Uh, just the time-wasting, I thought, was the most staggering part of the first half. Pickford began time-wasting after seven minutes. And as Carl mentioned, nothing was said to him. When he did that smarmy little wink thing when he fell on the ball, you just knew they're losing this game. You just knew they're going to have to lose this game because he is he is a guy with the ego of a world-class goalkeeper. Like He really thinks he's something special. He thinks he is Billy Big Bollocks. And yet, he is one of the worst goalkeepers in the division. And if you go back through Jordan Pickford's career and you take a look at Everton's goals conceded year after year, and not just that, but when he was at Sunderland as well, this is a guy who averages about 55 goals conceded per season across his Premier League career. That is absolutely appalling. Like, you have to be a really bad goalkeeper to concede that many goals. And it's not even just that Everton and Sunderland. Look at the loan spells he had as well. This is not a good goalkeeper. This is a guy with very small arms who happens to be able to <laughs> kick the ball very, very far. And that's about it. And yet he's time-wasting blatantly. He's acting like a dickhead. And the referee's just allowing it. And it's not just the time-wasting on the goal kicks. That's annoying enough. What winds me up is... There is a rule that says that a goalkeeper is not allowed to hold the ball for more than six seconds. There's an actual rule. And yet every time Pickford catches the ball in open play, it's 25, 30 seconds and the ref does nothing. Absolutely nothing. He gave him one giddy up during the first half, told him to get moving during the first half. And that was it. He should have had him booked after 20 minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah, but- it's 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 Stuart Atwell. I mean, he's not. It is Stuart Atwell, and he he's a coward. Like he is a coward. Yeah, he had no he control of that game. He let them away with everything they wanted to do. When Gordon dived the first time, the first time he didn't give a free kick for one of Gordon's dives, which is his third dive. He should have had a word with him. He then dives a, a fourth time, no free kick. Dives a fifth time. Gets the yellow card. Uh, Robbie Musto, by Robbie Musto, by the way, crap midfielder when he played, uh, crap pundit, said he wasn't diving. He was jumping out of the way of Kata's leg. Amazing. Uh, which is just, it's an incredibly blinkered view of, of, of what happened. And then, if you look at the penalty appeal in the second half, which again, Harry Hans has tweeted about now, he, Matip puts his hand on him, but doesn't push him. He wraps his arm around Matip's arm and throws himself forward and brings Matip's arm with him. It looks like Matip pushes off, but he doesn't because Matip pulls his arm back. It's his hand that kind of flails because Gordon pulls his arm. The referee clearly decides that's not a penalty. If it's not a penalty, it's a dive. So he should have been sent off. He should have been sent off. for. And by the way, the one that Trent got sent, got booked for, the only reason there was contact between the two of them is because Gordon initiated the contact. He could easily have hurdled Trent's uh, slide and tackle. He was over him and dragged his foot across his leg to bring the contact. 
the guy is a cheat. He, he's a 21-year-old or 20-year-old cheat. And it's a shame because he's a talented footballer. But because he's at that club and because this is their mindset and because he hangs around with guys like Richarlison on a day-to-day basis, he is going to be ruined and become one of these players like Richarlison, like Pickford, who, by the way, is there a more unlikable player in the league than either of those two? Like, do they actually have the two most unlikable players in the league at the one time? Like, I, I spoke about Pickford. Richarlison has the the attitude and ego of Cristiano Ronaldo and the footballing ability of, I, I don't even know what, David Engog, Danny Welbeck. Like, he's a, he's, he's a bad player who thinks he's some sort of demigod. It's hard to it's hard to look at him. It's hard to look at him. He just brings uh, an irrational rage out in me. I have to say, and look, he's going to feature early on. I'm going to stick with you and go into the early minutes of this second half. Where, to be fair, we had changed something, and you didn't need to be a genius to spot what it was. We were doing doing everything a, a half a half a pace faster. Everything was ramped up in terms of the pace that we were doing it at and it led to a corner early on that dropped to Naby 46 minutes he is a half volley wide of the top corner Joel is driving at them on 51 minutes fantastic linking up little little uh, one twos he's attempting um Gordon as you mentioned dives on 53 of course Carragher reckons it's definitely a foul by Joel Matip the one you described really well there uh, and they were both delighted then when in on the back of that um very one-sided commentary. Uh, they uh, we we go up the far end, and Fab has a very wild shot, and they're both absolutely delighted. Oh well, if they they can do that all day, it basically is what the what the attitude was. You know, all the usual standard things. And 55 minutes, uh, Gordon does get in on the left, showing some of that uh, football ability you talked about, and he dragged a poor shot like. I think it was Dukure's one in the first half. Uh, he pulls it across the face uh, from left to right. And on 57, that yellow that you talked about where Trent takes out Gordon. Um, I, I listen, uh, if, 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 if I'm Trent, I'm, I'm actually trying to connect with with him to be honest. Uh, 100%. But, you know 100%. because you just because it, it you know it's only going to be yellow because you're not last man and he really deserved it just take him mm-hmm. out. But I think you're absolutely right I think he buys it too. Um Cara then on the back of that reckons that Taylor, uh, that, that Gordon's a huge problem for Liverpool that's a direct quote. Tyler reckons he's got them rattled another direct quote remarkable stuff all he Let's, did was run in straight lines like, exactly he's that. a pace merchant down the line he, he, he did nothing anytime he get into a dangerous position he made a mess of it his first half performance was an absolute abomination i saw someone say uh at about 55 60 minutes gordon has been unbelievable here and i'm like did you watch the first half and they said no and I said, well, maybe you should watch the first half. They said they were watching Mayo Galway or something. I was like, maybe you should have watched the first half because he was absolutely shit. And in the second half, he's had a couple of runs where all he's done is boot the ball down. The, and literally that's all he did was boot the ball down the line and run as fast as he could after it. Well, towards the end of the game, um, and we'll talk about it just briefly, uh, where Deli Ali's in that position, and because he's actually a very talented footballer, he really, really, really makes a big difference. He cuts in and puts a really dangerous crossover that Robbo has to deal with, and that's, I guess, the difference there. I, I don't know where I rate Gordon at this stage, but obviously, yeah, he's he's got the pace and he can drive at at, at defenses. 
58 minutes, they have a Mikalenko free from the left. It will be headed across the face of goal. Um, probably looking for someone to get something on it, um, but nothing happens. It goes well wide. 59 minutes, Trent puts in a lovely cross. Robbo's effort is blocked for a corner. Uh, and we bring on two subs. Uh, Luis Diaz comes on uh, for uh, for uh, Sadio and uh, Dibok comes on for Naby Keita. Uh, and on 61 minutes, two minutes after those interventions, we are 1-0 up, Dave. It is Robbo. Uh, Mo plays a fantastic 1-2 with Dibok. I think it was Joel who had put Mo in early on. Um, it's a really, really nice 1-2, a beautifully weighted uh, touch by Dibok. To be fair, it was his first touch of the game. And we have seen this guy... You know, I, I was thinking about it. It's, it's like Jota's like sort of mega Divock. You know, he can stink the place out and get a goal. And we've seen Divock do this. But that first touch was fantastic. And I've really noticed his substitution interventions uh, when he's been called on recently. He's on it from the start. Strong and the touch is good and the ball sticks with him. This is a beautiful one too. Moe's right footed cross is absolutely peachy and Robbo's running in from the back post. How many times have we seen Robbo in this position and you just think, oh Christ, it's Robbo. But he buries it. Fair play to him. Uh, it's a very good finish by him uh, to head home at the back post. No more than we deserve, but a very enjoyable goal. And may well, Dave, I'll be honest, may well be the most full-throated celebration of mine all season. I was roaring at that one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, it was... Divock is just such a bizarre footballer. And as you guys said earlier, like when he leaves in the summer... You really would want to try and get some sort of clause included in the contract that we can just, even if even if he's not allowed play, if we can just like bring him out on the pitch just before kickoff and walk him around, you know, just to rattle Pickford, just bring him back for the derbies, have banners of his face on the cop, fly aeroplanes across <laughs> with you know a Rigi ninety plus four or whatever. <laughs> Wear Divock masks. Just get his image yes. right. That's all we need. Just wear that, Divock masks. Yeah. Exactly. Let's let's do that now. Let's get that in place. <laughs> Fifty-five thousand Divock masks. Let's petition <laughs> the Premier League. To, let's petition the Premier League to see if at yeah. all set pieces our players can put on said masks just to dance around Pickford <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> um, won't be needed next season, obviously, what? unless we get them in the cup because they'll be a championship team. But uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as he came on, you were just like, Pickford is going to have a mayor here. Something's going to happen because, like, Divock, I've said this before, it's like we put him in a freezer and you get to a certain point of the year or a derby and you just you thaw him out, you just give him a slap in the face, say, right, wake up, son, it's Everton or it's March, April, May, whatever. On you go, go and win us the thing. On he goes. It does brilliantly for the Mo does brilliantly. Mo had a bit of an off day, obviously. I thought Michaelenko, to his credit, was one of the few Everton players that came away with real credit from today for his actual performance. I thought defensively Michaelenko did very well, but Salah's quality is just incredible. And he's brilliant for the first goal. Gets it into Divock. Divock does really well with his run, his first touch. Feeding it back to Mo, lovely chipped cross. You're hoping Jota gets it, he doesn't. And like you said, it, it's Robbo appearing. And you're just thinking, 
head it, don't volley it. Whatever you do, don't try and volley it. And he heads it. And Pickford, who hadn't, by the way, had a save to make to that point, we hadn't had a shot on target. And uh, our first shot on target beats him, beats him easily as he dives over the ball. And it's a glorious moment. And and of all the people to score, you know, today, Divock, Divo, who's caused them absolute horrors, and Robbo, who's the real needly one in our team, who their fans really don't like because he winds yeah. them up so much. Did you it's see his still, interview afterwards, Dave? Did I haven't see? seen any of the interviews. No, so, I've just I've read Lampard's. Yeah. And, well, um, R- it, Robbo managed to sneak in a few things. You wouldn't even see them. You honestly wouldn't see them if you didn't know it was Robbo and he's absolute dick and he was talking about relegation battles. He just slips them in there, you know. It's great. Beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carl, you're back with us and uh, you've been listening to Clapo's interview. Anything of note that you want to report or will we kick on? Um, I mean, most of it was first half. We didn't play basically at all. And he has no particular issue with that because we were better second half and did a few more of the, the patterns that we were actually working on. Interesting to hear him talk about Robertson's goal being something that they'd actually specifically worked on with him getting right in there to the far post because it was the same as one of the goals that Leicester scored against Everton recently uh, with their right back tucking in and leaving a little bit more space there. So that was nice to hear. Lots of praise for Divock Origi being a legend and, you know, pretty much confirmed if he was leaving again in the summer, I think, without really outright stating that he was gone. He was obviously talking about when he departs and stuff like that. Um, Nothing major else, but I don't think he sounded like he was too bothered at halftime. I think it was, you know, just a bit more about focusing the minds and making sure we were playing at a a better tempo and that kind of thing. Uh, made similarly a few sneaky remarks to the fact that Everton touched the ball about six times across the 90 minutes and uh, <laughs> isn't too bothered about their plight. Excellent. Good to hear. Uh, let's look at the next chunk of the game, you and I together. Oh, by the way, that celebration from Robbo was uh, a joy in and of itself. Um, Carl, the Luis Diaz back heel control uh, run and cross on about 62 or three minutes. Holy shit, this lad is special, isn't he? I mean, he he's not grabbing the headlines in the way that that, that Divock is. But I, I don't know about you, but I, I was just crying out for this lad. It was clear that that's what we needed. What, what Diaz brings that um, possibly sometimes Mo, Sadio, Jota, Bobby, none of the others bring is directness, but ball retention. And... You know, we talked about it the last day picking that right pass when he does try to commit to it or 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 have, have a shot that actually is going to worry the keeper. Um, I was dying for him to come on, and and we have a, just a beautiful football in our hands here, don't we, Carl? Like, I mean, it's just it, it's it's exciting to have that talent to take from the bench. I prefer when he starts, but when he's coming off the bench, you know he's going to make an impact. He's just not going to be anonymous. He's magic. I love him. But I mean, the same point I've made a couple of times, how nice is it to be able to have one of those options on the bench, whether that's Diaz or whether it's Jota or Firmino or whoever it is. The fact that we've got at least one, if not two of them now, and a third one when it's the derby because of Origi, that's just such a sea change from what Liverpool have had before. It's always been about the two or three winners that we need on the pitch to start matches. And then, you know, other people can come in and see the game home or whatever. And now we just have game changer after game changer after game changer and that's that's the biggest thing that has really changed over the last two years for us i think uh diaz he's a special boy i think we're going to see a lot more from him in terms of actual goals next season maybe he's still a little bit 
not taken on as many shots as he would have done at Porto, let's put it that way, um, especially ones where he cuts inside and he's still 20, 25 yards out and he absolutely rockets them top corner. We haven't seen too many of those yet, not even attempted ones, I wouldn't say. So probably another 10 or 15%, but you're absolutely right in terms of the build-up play and everything that he offers because it's so really well attuned and he really gets the uh, little combination plays that he has with Andy Robbo or the left side of the midfielder and all the rest of it. It's It's working very nicely, isn't it? Can we just talk about because you and I are going to walk our way up to the uh, the second goal, but can we just talk uh, briefly? Just uh, we I'll get a take from both of you on this. We had thirteen corners today, and it's been such a such a wealth of uh, uh, opportunity and 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 goals for us. Uh, we can cause absolute havoc uh, with them. Um, I suppose you could argue that the. The final corner of the game has an impact in a way, but it was a shit corner, that 13th corner. Uh, we had so many. Trent primarily responsible. Um, <laughs> do you remember the bad old days of how we could never beat the first man back in the day on corners? It just felt like that again. I just wonder, Carl, just to start with you, do you, is that a coincidence? Is that just maybe Trent's off his game a little bit and maybe they're really pulling out all the stops to, to, to get to the ball first because that's what their game is all about today? Or is it a combination of the two? Or, I mean, it's hardly something to worry about, is it, Carl? Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you can't score every game off a corner and we're still top of the Premier League in terms of goals from corners this season. Uh, but they did have a few people, like even Michael Keane, who came into the team, one of his biggest strengths is probably aerial clearances, that kind of thing. So I think he did quite well off corners things coming towards him, easier, easier to clear, that kind of thing. Uh, Trent, in general, I don't think had too much of a good game today. There was one really good cross that he put in, but he didn't get in too many of those positions. Some of his passes were a bit sloppy. There was one with the he played a clearance stroke pass with his shoulder at one point, which just bounced straight into central midfield. And I didn't see him on the camera, but I imagine sent Klopp absolutely well, fuming. Let's just use one of those words on the sidelines because it did to me at home. Um, I'm not really bothered by it, let's put it that way. I think it was you know, just a game where they had about 17 defenders back all game long, trying to clear all of those high balls and clearances and all the rest of it. Like I say, you, you're not going to score a goal per game off corners alone. It's there as a resource for us at times. But I think the, the more important thing is that we scored two headers from effectively open play as well. That's That's a different kind of good delivery, isn't it? Yeah, to be fair, to be fair. I guess we can leave that sit at that. Uh, 65 minutes, we saw Pickford flapping at a ball, which ends up dropping to Mo because um, uh, uh, Pickford's not decisive with his contact. Uh, Mo is a good opportunity. He's kind of central. I'd say he's kind of penalty spot. He volleys over. He just can't get his foot over the ball. Uh, a minute later, uh, Divock had a really tough-headed chance. Uh, it was a Trent cross. Trent's delivery was off today almost for the duration of the game uh, by comparison with the absolutely ludicrous standards that we expect. We saw Mo Salah tracking uh, Gordon on 67 minutes and it was because a brilliant Reds move ended with a a sort of a failed Mo back heel um, and he took it on himself to to, to charge back and stay with Gordon and he's one of the few lads on our team who has the pace to do that so fair play to him. I thought it was a great attitude, good to see. Uh, 69, we saw Diaz cutting in, having a shot that was blocked, went for a corner. 
71, Gordon carried it pretty well. Uh, down that left-hand side again, Fed Iwobi. Iwobi plays it into Gray. Now, we have a situation here where on a different day, it's a really decent hit by Gray. He catches it beautifully. It's just wide of the target, and it could have ended up in the back of the net, and he would have been a bit sick, and I'd still have money on us uh, rallying uh, at that point. We still have our uh, ridiculous amount of strikers on the pitch, but a little bit of a of a sniff for them. They bring on Ali for the tremendously productive Alan on 72. There's a corner in 75. I've, I've noted at that point how awful they've been. Um, Divock was cleaned out of it by Keane. Uh, I thought that looked like a bit of a penalty to me on 76 minutes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they didn't want to even talk about it. They bring on Rondon for Gray. 77, Ali punches a Richarlison free. And he punches it at our defenders, causes a bit of a flat, but eventually we get it clear. Again, one of those moments that you don't want to give them. They shouldn't have a sniff in this game. 79 minutes, Robbo has a great clearance from an Ali cross. It's their most threatening moment. They referred to it early on. Ali does very well on that left-hand side and puts over a very dangerous ball. Uh, one of their lads should get to it because Robbo's behind the attacker, but he gets the foot in to clear it. Uh, fair play to him between that intervention and the goal at the far end. At that stage, he's absolutely our crucial footballer. Uh, 81 minutes, we take on Henderson for Jota, and there's going to be more praise for Kloppo here because 83, Thiago's shot blocked. It's uh, uh, saved, actually, sorry. His shot is blocked and deflected and then saved. Uh, Henderson had played Mo Salah in and I think he had squared it uh, that led to a corner 84 minutes that corner was pretty shite from Rambo but eventually it made its way across to Hendo who was in the Hendo position and Hendoed it to the back post and what do you know it actually finds a target Diaz at this stage was sort of bicycle kick volley cross into the deck it hops up Fab and Div are driving towards it. Thankfully, Divock gets there first and heads it home brilliantly. And if the first goal was a joyful celebration, uh, Dave, the second one was even more joyful. I was off my seat with this. It just felt fated. Um, it, when things like this happen, it makes you feel like there is actually something a little bit special about the season, you know, where a manager can make that call and it pays off in the way that it did. It just makes everything feel that much more special, I think. Oh, absolutely. Just before we do that, uh, we have a quick addition to Prickwatch. Uh, Anthony Gordon has now shared footage of his dive in the 53rd minute uh, with two of the emojis of someone to with their hand to the forehead. And I'm tempted to reply that I would also be embarrassed if I was caught on television um, diving in that manner while in that kind of position. But I've spared Is that him. the Joel Matip one, Dave? Yes, Dave. It's the that, Joel yeah, Matip one, yeah. 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 Uh, but I've spared him that because I've noticed that Liverpool fans are now en masse reporting his tweet for sharing copyright information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this shit so if everybody'd like to go to Anthony Gordon's Twitter, he calls himself AG because he's cool and uh, report that tweet for sharing copyright information. It would just be it would just be wonderful <laughs> again. Um as for the goal, I mean it's the second of the uh the Hendo clipped crosses to that back post area that we see today. It's it works. It's not a particularly good cross because it's behind Diaz, but it works because Diaz is ludicrous. And I do think we need to start a petition 
to get Diaz the number seven shirt this summer. When Milner goes, yeah. that seven shirt yeah. belongs to Diaz. Nobody else is warranting of that shirt. That shirt for seven years has been on the back of a grafter. And with respect to James Milner, he's never warranted the number seven shirt at Liverpool. That's a special shirt that goes to special players like Suarez, like Kenny, like Keegan. It, it doesn't go to James Milner types. And uh, Luis Diaz is absolutely the one who is most deserving. And Peter Beardsley, obviously, the famous wearer of the number seven so uh, it should go to Diaz this summer. That bicycle kick effort is ludicrous. Andy Gray said he makes a bit of a mess of it. Does he really? He puts it into a very dangerous area. In what way is that making a mess of it? You slab-headed fool. Uh, Andy Gray, who once was sold for a British record transfer fee and turned out to be one of the biggest flops in the history of English football, yet is somehow held up as a great striker. Um, another one of these weird Everton legends. Did you ever notice that? With Everton legends, like Duncan Ferguson is an Everton legend. And yet, when you look at his numbers and what he actually did at Everton, he, he flopped twice. He flopped at Everton, then he flopped at Newcastle, and then he flopped again at Everton, having flopped at Rangers before that uh, and ended up in prison. In 49 league games for um, Everton, Andy Gray managed 14 goals, which you know, isn't very good. He went to Wolves in 79 from Villa, where he had been good, flopped at Villa, who and Wolves, oh, sorry, flopped at Wolves, who paid 1.5 million for him and sold him four years later for 250 grand. He is two years at Everton and they sell him for 150 grand. So, you know, Andy Gray's another Everton legend who flopped there. It shows how low the standards actually are. But uh, yeah, he said he made a mess of it. It's he does brilliantly to work anything out of it. He makes something out of nothing because, like, you know, the cross is into the right area by Henderson, but it is a bit behind Diaz. He's got two options. One is to head it back out towards the edge of the box. The other is to do what he did and put it at least into a dangerous area. And you always know, you always know that the one lad who will follow those balls in is Divock. And he does, and he scores, and it's wonderful. And if that's the last contribution he has at Anfield this year... It's it's just the most fitting one possible because his whole path back to being part of Liverpool Football Club began with that bizarre late goal against Everton because he'd been out of the he couldn't even get in the match day squad. For three months he wasn't even getting in the match day squad. Gets works his way back in, scores that goal against Everton, that kick starts it all. Obviously has his Barcelona moment, has his goal in the final, scored some goals last season for us that were important, or the following season that were important in the title win, scored the goal earlier this season that won us the game against Wolves. If you remember, comes off the bench when all looks lost, scores a big goal, and again comes on today and another big contribution. Like, I know he's the sixth or seventh striker, but him leaving... We, we we are going to miss just having someone like him, that bigger, different type of number nine that we can throw on when we need. I think we'll actually need to replace him, to be totally honest. I agree with you. I agree with you. And Carl, just to see the last couple of minutes out, and then what I'm going to do is uh, segue from that into your sum up thoughts but there are a couple of things and, and if you want to jump back in uh on any of the things me and carl are talking about dave do because we'll then finish the show with your wrap-up uh but after the goal 
the Ali picks up a, a yellow card on 88 minutes in late on the captain. And Richarlison then finally picks up a yellow card. It's ridiculous that he's getting his, his first yellow card of the game uh, at 90 minutes for the kick out at Henderson that we discussed earlier on. They add, I think it was three minutes that Atwell added on. Um, <laughs> and Richarlison uh, cuts in from the left and takes a shot. It's a fairly decently paced hit. Ali kind of really takes the piss out of him by, by catching it. Uh, proper Gaelic footballer hands there. And then one of the highlights of the match in terms of absolutely joyful shithousing collapses on the ball taking the piss out of his opposite number in a way that the stadium enjoyed uh, immensely. Uh, I want to just give that the credit it deserves as well. Uh, And also, just on that little thing, how how is it possible that Richarlison got that far without getting the yellow card? It's, it's, it, how, how did he manage to pull the wall over at Wells Eyes to that stage? And uh, did you enjoy that uh, little alley uh, treat as much as I did? Oh, absolutely. I think that that was my second favourite moment of the game. The first one being when a deflected shot looped up just over Pickford's crossbar and the entirety of the cop went, <laughs> not bounce it back down and over the goal line. Yeah, yeah that, that was uh, that was tremendous. Look, I say this all the time, and it's not just Liverpool, it's not just Everton, obviously, it's loads and loads of teams, but they do it and then they complain when it happens at the other end after they have conceded. You have to obviously accept that if a team is going to try and waste time and all the rest of it, that you have to not get annoyed by it and you've got to stay with your game plan. But similarly, by the same token, if they do eventually concede and the odds are massively, massively against any team who tries to defend for the entire match and not have any of the ball the odds are you're going to concede a goal. And when that happens, you can't complain that the opposite team starts to do the things that you were doing as well. I mean, that I think Henderson, uh, when he went down, was down for probably about two minutes longer than he needed to be in terms of how much it would hurt. But Richarlison did that at least three times in the first half. And Richarlison should have been red carded for that as well. I think him, like I said before, I think Manny possibly lucky to not be sent off in the first half. Richarlison was definitely lucky not to be sent off for that. I don't care how hard it was. It was obviously just a, a thing with intent and and that was a studs into the knee area. That should be a red card, really. Um, but basically, I'm glad that we did a few bits of that ourselves because not because I'm petty. Why not? It's the derby. If you're going to be petty in any match, it's got to be that, hasn't it? That's, that's the pure, <laughs> simple truth of it. They annoyed me so much in the first half. I'm glad we did everything possible to annoy them, from the Benitez chance to Alisson falling on the floor like that to every single thing which reminds Jordan Pickford every single weekend that Divock Origi exists. I'd imagine as well the nature of the goal, the second goal, where it's a uh, volleyed into the ground and you remember the the the, the famous goal like it's basically a mishit by Virgil uh where he sort of skies it and it just about drops in and because of Pickford's intervention that would have been eerily frighteningly similar as well the ball hopping around in high areas and they, like I say we all need to invest in Divock Origi masks and uh, go to uh go to Goodison um <clears throat> even if it's just to hear them all go boo uh at length uh it was good that they did break out their entire um, category of songs today including Boo uh, You Don't Know What You're Doing and some other 
fucking drivel. Uh, the, I've just shared with you in the chat, if you'd all like to just check the link, uh, an alternative angle on the Matip-Anthony Gordon one, which I just think emphasises how blatant of a dive it is. Oh, it does show it well, actually, yeah. Yeah, it and does. Yet none of the TV companies were willing to show that angle, perhaps looking for some sort of narrative to come out of the game. Like, there's no contact. Gordon is falling. He throws his right hand forward, having wrapped it round Matip's left arm, steps across Matip, and flings himself to the ground. And because he throws his right hand forward, it looks like Matip extends his arm and pushes him. But look at the way Matip's arm comes off him. That's not a push. Nobody yeah. pushes like that. That is a dive. Uh, if you If you look at it, uh, Joel's pulling his hand away from your man trying to grab around it. Exactly. That's, exa- that's exactly what's happening. So yeah, I call that perfectly, to be yeah. fair to you. There is no contact or no foul at all. It's a dive. He should have been he should have been at least talked to because he was already on a yellow, and that's that's a blatant dive. Richarlison should have been sent off. Carl is right. Henderson does overplay it a bit, but he's right to because they'd been doing it from minute one. Every small little thing they were rolling around on the floor. Henderson had already been clattered once by Deli Alley, so he was right to do that. But like he kicks out at him. Whether it hurts Henderson or not isn't really the point here. No, it's not. He kicks out at him. He should have been sent off. And Dekure, who's already on a yellow, comes over and shoves a fella who's already on the ground. And the referee just does nothing. He gives Richarlison a yellow card. Someone yeah, needs to have a chat with Stuart Atwell in the morning. Yeah, that Ducouré was that's 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 just a clear second yellow. I mean, he's no business getting involved, let alone pushing a lad who could be seriously injured. It's it's weird. It's weird. Uh, I'll be back to you for wrap ups in a second, and let's do exactly that with you, Carl. Now, what's your final then takeaways, and uh, finish off with uh, letting people know what's coming up in the week. Uh, in terms of the title race, I don't think that this game is anything to be taken at all. This was just what it was. You know, we have to keep winning every game, and that's fine. But in terms of analysis and seeing how we play and all the rest of it, this is just a standalone game, really. Uh, we have to have an ability to win in all different kinds of matches. And like I said, I'm sure we will have at least one more game, which will be just as frustrating uh, later on this season. And we'll have to deal with it in the right way again. You know, we'll have to find a way, whether that's through changing around the start and 11 or changing the shape like we did today and having people come off the bench who who do very, very well. Um, only things I will say additionally are just a few stats. My favourite ones being that uh, Everton's player with the most touches in the game was Vitaly Mikolenko, who had 59 touches. Uh, the only Liverpool players he had more touches than were those who were either subbed on or subbed off. Uh, everybody else down to the least involved Liverpool players, more than Everton's most involved. Uh, the central midfield, as Dave's already touched on, obviously, in that Alan did not really do any central midfielding. He made two passes all game long, uh, completed two passes, that is, all game long. A 33% completion rate for both himself and Michael Keane, which mm. is quite extraordinary. Uh, Divo Carigi, I think, came on for what, 31 minutes, something like that, and uh, made more passes than... Four of their players who started the game. Wow. Wow. That's stunning. That is stunning. I love that. Very enjoyable stats. I'm going to add to yours there as well. So just seeing as we're in this section of the show. Squawker just saying that the most Premier League assist for Liverpool since Mohamed Salah joined the club and made his debut is Mohamed Salah with 46 assists. 
Next, Trent, 45. Next, Andy Robertson, 45. Holy shit, like what a team this is, Carl. Anyway, let's wrap it up then with you. What have you got coming up in the week? I assume there is going to be a scouted for the European game for sure. Hmm, definitely so. Yeah, we'll have to scout for Villarreal first leg. I'll have a piece coming out on the Indy for this Liverpool match, obviously, and probably something before the other Champions League match as well. Maybe some sort of preview on uh, Real Madrid and how their season has been going so far. Excellent. Get your eyes and ears around whatever Carl's doing. As ever, it's well worth your while. And Dave, let's get your final thoughts on the, on the uh, match today. Uh, just that they're an enormous bunch of pricks and I hope they get relegated because the league will be better off without them. You know, people will love to criticise Burnley and I you know, hear people regularly say, oh, I hope Burnley go down. The league needs Burnley more than it needs Everton. Uh, just to give you an idea of how flagrant Everton's spending has been. This is since the summer of 2006. Oh, sorry, summer of 2016. So the beginning of Klopp's first full season as Liverpool manager. The figures are in dollars, US dollars. I do apologise for that, but it's just where I've got it from. Everton have spent $827.5 million. Uh, Liverpool in that same period, 7825 So a 45 million advantage for the EV. Net spend, Everton, $452.5 million. Liverpool, $218 million. So, um, what's that? $234.5 million more net spend by the EV. Uh, £25 million plus signings. 19 by Everton, just the 12 by Liverpool. And that would be three major trophies for Liverpool. I assume that's the League Cup, along with our Premier League and Champions League, they're not counting the Super League or the, so the Super Cup or the World Club Cup, uh, and zero major trophies for the EV. They are, however, about to beat us in a yet another tally there, which will be relegations, which will be one for Everton and none for Liverpool. Like I said, they deserve absolutely nothing from today. They deserve no praise. That kind of performance should never be praised because when Atletico Madrid came over to play Manchester City and did similar things. Now, I don't think Atleti were nearly as bad as Everton were today. In fact, Atletico had at least 29% of the ball. 29% of the ball. Everton had, what was it, 17%? Uh, Atletico didn't dive and time waste quite as much as Everton. At least nobody went down having headed a football. Um... Atletico were, were roundly disparaged by the British media, by the TV outlets, etc., etc. So Everton don't deserve any credit for today. They, they're not some plucky upstart. They've got a guy who cost £30 million in goal. Will, uh, Michael Keane cost £30 million. Michael Enko was 20-odd. Ducouré was 25. Alam was 25. Iwobi was 35. Richarlison was 40. On the bench, they've got Delph, who was 10. Uh, uh, Deli Ali, who came on, he'll cost up to 35 million. Like, this is not some small club, some bunch of, you know, recently promoted players. This is international players. This is expensive players on big money, managed by a guy who, despite failing at Derby and at Chelsea, is still being held up as some sort of managerial prodigy. They don't deserve credit for what they did today. They were a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. That's one of the worst performances I've seen from any team in the Merseyside derby. 
Like, they've played better than that when we've hammered them 4-0, 5-0. They've played better than that. They've at least come and had a go. The only thing they did today was try and cheat their way to a point. A point which, by the way, would have left them in the bottom three anyway. Like, a point wasn't enough for them today to get out of the bottom three. But long may they continue in the bottom three. Long may they continue to suffer. I hope they go down. I really do. They've got five games, sorry, six games left. They've got Chelsea home. I see them losing. Leicester away. I see them losing. Watford away. I think they lose that. Brentford at home. They might win. Palace at home. I think a draw. I think Arsenal hammered them on the last day of the season. That's four points I have them taking the rest of the way, which means that Burnley would only need to take two points the rest of the way to have a superior goal difference. And Burnley have Watford away next, a bad Villa team at home, Spurs away, Villa away, and then Newcastle at home on the final day of the season. I don't see them losing that. I think Burnley are going to stay up. I think Everton are going down and we're well rid of them. Couldn't agree more, my friend. And in terms of your very busy schedule, uh, just to remind people again what it is, we get new listeners all the time, so you might as well let them know what's coming up. Yeah, two-footed pod every day at 4pm, daily red every day around lunchtime. We'll have two scouteds this week, one for Villarreal, one for Newcastle. They'll be raw, obviously, for both of those games as well. And I think myself and Gags are going to do an old school soon as well. And now that he's over his bout of COVID. So, yeah, there'll be, there'll be plenty. There's there's plenty going on. Obviously, there's there's plenty of other good stuff as well uh, from the rest of the contributors here at Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro. Absolutely agree with Dave. I'll spare you all the hard sell on this particular edition of Raw because I always do it. And I'll let you off to enjoy your Sunday evenings. You've heard Dave Hendrick. You've heard Carl Matchett. Guy Drinkle's been, as ever, uh, superb uh, producing in the background for us. I've been Trev Denny, and we're still, we're still potentially the four trophy reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.